This is the Author Archive podcast today, a new book published spring 2022, Three Epic Battles That Saved Democracy by Dr. Stephen P. Kershaw. Steve, congratulations on your book. Am I wrong to see parallels in the contemporary world with what you write about in the ancient Greek world? You're not, <laughs> not in the, in the slightest. I mean, when I embarked on the on on writing the book, uh, that was that was not something that was remotely in my mind. If you like, I you know the worst thing in the world at that point was COVID, but the the things that have been unfolding in the world, sort of since uh, since I got to the back end of writing and and the publication of the book really do invite parallels with the modern world. I mean, I was not really a great believer in this uh, slight cliche, if you like, of history always repeats itself. I, uh, I, 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 don't, I don't really think that, in a sense. Um, you'll, you'll know this as, as your, your interests outside of books in, in, in jazz and blues. I, 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 I don't think that the muse of history plagiarizes herself. I, I, I like to see, in a way, the unfolding of history as like a jazz improvisation, in a, if you like. It's, it's like you've got um, uh, an underlying structure and theme, almost a template for it, which perhaps sets patterns. But what then happens is, is almost like um, uh, an inventive series of improvisations on a theme, at least rather than repetitions. So we're not, we're not going back over the same old stuff, but it plays out in its own ways and with its own individuality, if you like. And these three epic battles, let's get to basics. When did they happen? Yeah. Right. So beginning of the fifth century BC, uh, the Battle of Marathon was fought in 490 between essentially the forces of democratic Athens and the armies of Darius I of Persia. And the battles of Thermopylae and Salamis were fought in 480 BC. So a decade later between uh, the forces primarily of, of Athens and Sparta, but with other Greek allies, uh, against the massed and sort of multi-ethnic, multi-racial um, uh, armies of Xerxes, the king of Persia. Okay. Did the Persians have this conviction that some of the world, geopolitically thinking, was theirs by right? It, it's interesting. It, it seems that the, um, in a sense, they do. In a sense, they do. And there's there's a, a an early incident in 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 one of the historical accounts by Herodotus where he he gives us a bit of sort of royal pillow talk between Darius and his wife Atossa, and Atossa says to him, "Look." darling <laughs> you need to prove that you're a man you know you're new to the throne you're you're a, you know you're you're a young man you're a powerful man you need to assert that that your presence by conquest and i've heard that there are all these incredible women in greece in athens and corinth and sparta i'd like some of them as my slaves <laughs> go get some <laughs> i mean in, in this 
I'm tempted to think in uh, little phrases like the Tory party, you know, three things, sex, drugs, rock and roll. There's lots of sex, there's drugs, because there's yeah. cannabis, but there doesn't seem much music in this. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, true enough. I mean, the, 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 there must be soundtracks to this. I, I guess the, the, the music that comes into it, it comes in twofold, actually, Dave. This is, this is interesting, is that it's used on the battlefield and both on land and, and on sea in order to provide almost like rhythmic accompaniment to the troops as they, as they march and they do combat. So what does interest me, I think, is that, I mean, it's not very rock and roll, but you've got these sort of flute players or the, these instruments that are like a cross between a flute and an oboe that, that they use uh, embedded in their marching phalanxes to give them rhythmic feels because what they what they need the Greeks as they go into combat is good order you know they, they fight in such a way they're shoulder to shoulder they're 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 in ranks eight deep they need to keep good order and the musical accompaniment helps them to do that likewise in the ships they have to have some kind of rhythm to row to and they do that not by pounding drums, but by playing flutes, which have a, a higher pitch and easier to hear, I think, in the, um, in, in the thick of the combat. It's, it's really interesting. So there's a bit of, a bit of music, um, but it's not very rock and roll. Put it no. that way. <laughs> but you call your books memorably three epic battles that saved democracy. Yeah. How new was democracy at that point? It was, it was pretty new when... Um, when certainly when in, in uh, when the Battle of Marathon was fought, it was less than twenty years old in in its in its sort of um, uh, if you like definitive form. So it it had been. I mean, it wasn't formed overnight. It was it was the um, it was it was the end result of a, a quite a long and, and and quite interesting process that had its ups and downs of the people of Athens specifically gaining greater and greater powers amongst the masses and but it, it came to uh, if, if you like it's 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 first definitive form usually we'd say in 508 BC with a, an Athenian reformer called Cleisthenes who gave the Athenians actually more rights I mean, he only gave the rights to the adult male native freeborn population of the city. So, you know, children, women, slaves, foreigners are excluded from this. But those people, the citizens, the adult male native population of, of Athens had far more political rights than you or I have. <laughs> <laughs> and was it thought of? I mean, now... Um, while we speak, the ghastly war goes on in Ukraine, and yes. it's thought of as, a, as, from our side, good against evil, democracy against or, mm. autocracy. Yeah. Was democracy always thought of as being a good thing? Um, <laughs> no, it was, it was controversial. By um, Democrats liked it, <laughs> yes. but, um, uh, obviously, but but no, it wasn't. And and you you get a lot of argument amongst amongst the Greeks, amongst philosophers about what is the best form of a constitution to have. And many of the Greek philosophers don't like 
democracy because they regard it as being actually diverse. They don't like diversity. It's disorderly. It gives power to the, if you like, to the wrong kind of people who are not <laughs> our kind of people. Um, so, and and even within these uh, invasions of, of Greece by the by the Persians, the, the, the Greeks were never unified. There's a, there's a point, even in the final battle, there's a, a, you get some bonus battles in the book as well as, uh, so as well as, as Marathon from Opelia and Salamis, the, the, the final concluding battle, when things have kind of been settled, but, but there's a battle at, uh, fought at Plataea. And as the, the two sides are sort of lining up on the battlefield, there is a, um, an attempt by some aristocrats within the Athenian high command, possibly to organize a, an anti-democratic coup as that is going on. So, so you, you don't get, it's often, uh, it's often presented to us as, and, and the Greek government likes to do this because it's recently been celebrating 2,500 years you know, beyond these battles. Um, is that they, they like to present it as, you know, unified Greece completely came together to repulse these, uh, um, you know, the, these tyrannical Eastern invaders. Not so, the Greeks were not united on a macro level, not all of the individual Greek states resisted Persia, some collaborated, some fought with them. And even within the states, the, the and, and this is down to that, if you like, not everyone likes democracy. You have um, uh, you know, dis disputes and disunity that the Greeks need to overcome a lot of the time in order to, to make their resistance effective. What, what drove them? I mean, now, since the year 2000, we've had the time of the strong men. Um, <laughs> they, they seem to get people to follow them, uh, which is gut-wrenching for us. But were there strong men around in this time of which you write? I think so. Uh, the, the way that it's presented to us in many ways is that the strong, the, the, I mean, it, 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 the strong men are on the, if you like, on the Persian side, personified by these two mighty emperors. I mean, they, they, they have an empire that goes from the, 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 the coasts of modern, what's now modern Turkey to India. And, it, and they have they hold Egypt and, and what have you, immense empire. And they are powerful men and they present themselves as powerful men, as big men. Um, their inscriptions are, are wonderful. You know, it's, uh, you know, I am Xerxes, the king of kings, the lord of many lands, you know, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. Um, on the, uh, sorry, yeah, no, 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 I'm interested. I mean, because I was interested uh, in one point, you write about this bloke who wore a big false beard because it made <laughs> him look more important. So, Absolutely. so it seemed as if the art of spin was alive and well, even then. It very, very much it was. And, uh, and, and, and I think that's a really interesting point because for, for us, and, and as a as a historian, what what you would what you want is we we've got a ton of stuff from the Greek side written by very eloquent writers, Herodotus, known as the father of history, who was able to interview um, 
people who were there at the time, you know, a generation later or so, um, the, the writer of tragedies, Aeschylus, who fought in these wars. So, so on the Greek side, we have eloquent and, and sometimes firsthand uh, um, information, plus a lot of commemorative inscriptions. On the Persian side, really interesting. I mean, essentially, they are the losers here. They could have spun it as a win, if you like, but they didn't choose to do so. So it's very, very difficult to, uh, as a historian, to access much of the the feeling and response that, that's coming from the, if you like, the the ultimately beaten invaders' side. Uh, I mean, the, the role of truth in all this. I mean, you say something shocking in this book. You say the Trojan Wars that we all learnt about at school probably didn't happen. <laughs> True. It's 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 um, about. Uh, there's still dispute about this, but I think the. Certainly the, the, the Trojan Wars, in the way that they are presented to us in the fabulous poetry of Homer, um, uh, you know, were not happening like that. There, there was certainly fighting and combat at the site that we think of as Troy, which is modern Hisalik in, uh, in Turkey, which is up near the, uh, the, the, the Dardanelles, just opposite the Gallipoli Peninsula. Um, but uh, it, it has deep, deep, deep layers of, of mythical underlay. The, the basic story of Helen of Troy being abducted uh, by, by Paris is an immensely old one. This, this, if you like, the myth of the abducted beautiful wife is something that goes back way beyond the Greek tradition into Sanskrit traditions and, and, and so on. So it's almost like you've got... Again, one of these underlying templates on which you can you can place um, a, a story and a combat. And talking of spin, what what the Greeks can do with this is present it as a just war. It's we, we are going to get Helen back. We cannot allow adultery to go um, unchallenged, uh, and it justifies our presence in this region in in subsequent years. That is so modern, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And 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 again, Herodotus talks about the, this whole overarching conflict having those kind of origins. You know, in in modern conflicts, there's there's so often the 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 the, the sides go back to you know to, to incidents in in you know in in the dim and distant past that no one really understands and the greeks did it the same you know the uh, uh, herodotus says well it all actually all starts with uh, this woman called io being abducted from argos and it leads to this sort of tit for tat abduction 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 of of different women by greeks by phoenicians by and and then it ends up with the trojan war and the, the Persians see the Trojan War as a justification for their aggression. Um, but when the mythical Trojan War was, was fought, if you like, it was not part of the Persian Empire. You know, the Persians weren't anywhere near there. But in historical times, that site was. And so, so you, have, you have the different sides, I think, projecting back into mythology into ancient history in order to justify the actions of now. <laughs> and it's still done. Because it you're is. writing now, Steve, 
are the things that you're allowed that you can put in are the insights that you've got because of modern scholarship and modern science yeah i mean it's uh, we we try to do that all the time i mean as as an ancient historian you, you would I guess you'd think that you know, after two and a half thousand years, we'd have got this all sorted out by now. <laughs> but but it doesn't work like that. There are there are constant new finds and, and new avenues of, of, of looking at, at, at things and the archaeology and unearths new new materials. So recent, for instance, there's some really good recent under archaeology on, on the island of Salamis that, that's that's revealed structures pertinent to where the Greek fleet had its headquarters when it when it fought the final crucial naval battle at Salamis. Um, the, there's also been some fantastic um, meteorological research that's, uh, that, that's helped us to understand this, this battle of Salamis, where the, the Greeks exploited the local weather conditions and, and the nature of their own craft to uh, to fight on very very favorable terms on um, th- their ships were better in 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 windy and slightly rough sea, sea conditions than the persians were and sort of research now has has has, has brought up the fact that there was a, a, a almost like a kind of wind pincer that played very he- heavily in the greeks favor and they would have known about they were you know, expert seafarers, and the Persians didn't. They got they got caught up in this, tangled up in it, and it it, it really really helped the the the, the Greeks to, um, to 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 win their victories. So so all the time we're we're discovering new little snippets and and uh, and, and yeah, and, and those have been things that I've been trying to to incorporate into the book. Did you write this for us, the regular Joe, who is not an expert? Um, because reading it, I felt that there's so much in there that is wow, ooh, and, <laughs> and and you're not above the odd titillatory detail. So, did you write it for the general reader? Yeah, I, I think so. It, it, yeah, fundamentally, this is a a book that's aimed at the at, uh, yes, the the intelligent non-specialist general reader and what Um, is it final final question steve what is it about this world two and a half years ago because i've known you for years as a very accomplished bass player when you have this secret life with (laughs) the greeks what is it that floated your boat as a young man oh that's primary school and the poems of homer the i this is wonderful. The last 20 minutes of every day in my old primary school in Halifax in Yorkshire, they used to read to us. A new person showed up in the school who must have been a classics graduate doing teaching practice or something like that, and read to us from the Iliad and the Odyssey. And I just thought this was awesomely the best thing that I'd ever heard. Gods, monsters, heroes, fighting it was great grandpa bought me a copy of the iliad in ruse old penguin translation i read it with my torch under the bedclothes and uh, that's why i've written three epic battles that saved democracy and that's the book <laughs> three epic battles that saved democracy by dr stephen p kershaw congratulations steve thank you very much dave it's been a pleasure